This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 263, recorded Wednesday, April 6th, 2016. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is our feedback show for the season six finale. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. But first, Jason, it's been three days since the finale. It has been three days. Very good, Chris. Thanks. Just wanted to say that. My math is, is uh, unparalleled. Um, have you, you, you know, we're three days out. Have you had any any perspective, any new thoughts? Are you Are you feeling any differently about the episode at this point? Have you calmed down a little bit? Well, I think I've calmed down, and it's it's uh, it's kind of uh, melded into a low level background hatred, rather than the <laughs> uh, the white hot anger that I felt uh, initially. Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot over the last few days, and of course, all the feedback that's come in, we're gonna we're gonna get into, and lots of people have different ideas and thoughts. Um, I still don't like the ending, and I still don't think it's a great season finale, but. Um, it's funny as time goes on. It's funny how you look back on things. Uh, yeah, always. Even though it's only been three days, right? It has only been three days. What are the? Uh, <laughs> I forget the the exact quote or who said it, but uh, uh, you experience uh, you experience life in uh, going forward, but you understand it going back. Ooh, that's a good. It's a good quote. Yeah, forget where I heard that. Well, I don't know. We should look that one up. I like that. So. We are going to do listener feedback. We're also going to kind of do a little bit different thing here where we're, we're, we'll do a section on, you know, who did Negan kill? So we'll, we'll run through that scene again and see if we can figure it out or if there are any clues in there. And then we've got a bunch of feedback from people that is all about, you know, their own theories of who it is and so on. So we will get into all of that. But first, I want to talk about the ratings. We have yeah. the ratings for this episode. I predicted 15.6 and you predicted 16.1. Yeah, okay. 16. I remembered. One. Good. That's for amazing. Three whole days. <laughs> I held that in my memory. That's pretty good. Well, sadly, neither of us win the showcase showdowns because we, both, we, we, we were both, both over. over. Yeah. That sucks. We were both over. So I've I've actually got a, a special edition of the ratings here because I've got all kinds of information. In the United States, the uh, the number of viewers was fourteen point two million. Wow! So even you were more than uh, more than a million over. Um, now that being said, that is the biggest number they've had since season six, episode one. So uh, which had fourteen point six. So this is the second most watched episode of the season. Um, and it's only at 14.2. Hmm. So it's declined. I wonder what that looks like on a graph over the years. Well, we have graphs. Remember when you asked people to send in graphs? Yeah. We got like three. Nice. <laughs> so I I'll, love graphs. I'll make sure I get those over to you uh, when we're done here, because you do need to see those. Um, just to, for reference, the season five finale was 15.78. Wow. So 15, you know, we're down... We didn't crack 15 million all season, season six. So the ratings are definitely down a little bit. Um, now, I did some math here, Jason, just for fun. And uh, I'm doing math all over the place this episode. Yeah, so far. Yep. 
Um, I took 14.2 million, and based on the U.S. population, which I estimated at about 320 million people, that comes to 4.4% of the U.S. population. So 4.4% watched The Walking Dead on Sunday night. Wow. That's one in uh, 20 people, or one in 22 people. Yeah. That's, so, and that includes children, babies, senior citizens, everybody. Yeah. So 4.4%. Now, as a special treat, I also have the Canadian ratings this week. Oh. And that is because I have a friend who works in the industry, who listens to the show, and was nice enough to fire us over the official Canadian ratings. That's awesome. So this is the first time we've ever, we've ever talked about the Canadian ratings. And in Canada... It was watched by 1.4 million people. Hmm. And if you do that math, based on our roughly 36 million person population, that's 3.9% of the Canadian population. So less in Canada than in the U.S. Less in Canada, that's right. Um, 4.4 versus 3.9. Now, just for fun, I went to see if I could look up the U.K. ratings. Nice. Which I did. You found it? I did. Awesome. <laughs> um, because I feel like we have a really, really large listener base in the UK. I don't know if you've been paying attention as we've been doing this, but I it feels to me, and I, I don't have the statistics here, but it feels to me like a lot of our listener feedback comes from the UK. And so I wanted to look those up too. So, and the number is interesting, I thought. In the UK, the finale was watched by 859,000 people. So not even 1 million. Canada has about 36 million people, and we had 1.4 million. The UK, based on the internet, has somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 million people. London oh. is a pretty big city, apparently. Yeah. Um, and not even a million of them watched the episode. And if you do that math, it's 1.3% of the UK population. So generally, they just don't give a shit. Yeah. About the show. Well, they. it seems like the majority of our listeners are in the UK. Well, I mean, the majority are definitely in the UK and the United States. Probably, to be honest, the majority are, are in the US, but the UK people are the most vocal, it feels like, which is great. Um, however, their percentage population-wise is significantly lower than, you know, anywhere in North America. Well... I don't know about Mexico, but uh, Canada and the U.S. anyways. That's because the U.K. is putting out quality television shows, and they're uh, they're thinking about this American claptrap thing as uh, just a, you know, that that's a, that American show. We don't really need to watch that. Well, I wonder what it is, actually. I mean, there's probably lots of factors that go into it, maybe TV viewing habits, um, you know, or access to the channel that it's on. Like, it's on Fox U.K., right? Um, so, or it's distributed by Fox. I think it's, I think it's actually broadcast on something called Fox over there too. Uh, so, you know, there's probably lots of things and maybe perception is part of it. I don't know. Maybe it's on the same time that, uh, Midsummer Murders is on and people just prefer <laughs> to watch that. <laughs> or, uh, Coronation Street. <laughs> well, I don't know about Coronation Street, but uh, my wife watches a lot of Midsummer Murders and boy, howdy, there's a lot of seasons of that show. Yeah. Series. Or Doctor Who. Like, if it was on at the same time as Doctor Who, what do you think UK people would watch? The Walking Dead or The Doctor? Well, I, I would think that they would watch The Doctor. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I I like The Doctor just as much as, as Walking Dead. 
Um, but anyways, uh, that's kind of interesting. So overall ratings of the U.S. are down a little bit, but uh, just for fun, we had some Canada and American numbers there nice. as well. All right, let's move on into the, the meat of this sandwich with the next segment. Listener Feedback. All right, this is the listener feedback section, but the first thing we're going to do, as I said, is our own little analysis of who did Negan kill? It's too bad I don't have a bumper that says that. That would have been fun. Next time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, they might go through the season premiere of the next season. They might still not tell us. Well, I hate to tell you, but they've they've come out and said straight out that they we will find out who got killed by the bat in the season seven premiere. Yeah, they've lied to us before. Oh, that's very true. That is very true. Now, I was thinking about that statement, and that doesn't mean they're going to show us the scene. We could jump ahead three months, and one character isn't there, and they talk about the fact that Negan beat somebody to death. I don't know how I would like feel about that. Like they did with Carl in his, uh, when they shot his eye out. That's right. Shot in the eye, and then, oh, he's all better. You know? Yep. So I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about that, but you know that's not for right now. We'll deal with that when the time comes. What I want to do right now, though, is analyze the Negan sort of introduction scene. And I'm basically going to recap it sort of here again, at least starting from the eeny, meeny, miny, mo bit. Okay. So just to set the stage, <clears throat> we've got a bunch of our characters on their knees, kind of in a row or in a semicircle with Negan uh, standing there talking to them. Now, from his perspective, from Negan's perspective, from left to right, we have Glenn, Rosita, Daryl, Michonne, Abraham, Maggie, Rick, Sasha, Aaron, Carl, and Eugene. That's the order. Um, now, if we're talking about who he kills, I think it's clear we can rule out Rick and Carl based on Negan's eye-pulling line. Pull out the kid's eye and feed it to his father. He's not killing either of them. Right. And I am going to go out on a limb and I'm going to rule out Maggie as well um, because of the scene we got in which Negan almost bashes her when he says, you look terrible, I'll put you out of your misery. And then right before Glenn's outburst, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he was about to do her and then you know, unless he went back to his original decision after any meeny, miny, mo, I don't think he would choose the same person. Well, he might. I mean, any uh, uh, meeny, miny, mo is sacred. And, uh, you know, if it happened to be Maggie at the end of uh, You Are It, then she's it. And there's nothing you can do because any meeny, miny, mo is, is a sacred pact. Once you're it, you're it. Random chance. Yeah, exactly. Once you're it, you're it. The problem is the eeny, meeny, my, miny, mo randomness breaks down a little bit when you go through this scene. So as it starts, um, we get eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And though the, the four characters we see as he says those words are Rick, Maggie, Abe, Michonne, um, which makes sense because they are beside each other in the lineup. If you start at Rick and you go to Negan's left, it goes Maggie, Abraham, Michonne. So the order works right there. Um, catch, when he says catch, we don't really see who anybody he's pointing at. He gets a tiger, points at Daryl, which is the next person in the line. Um, Wait a minute. The next person after, like with, the, with catch, he picked somebody completely out of order? Nope. Um, we either, I, I didn't, 
I didn't um, write down if we see the bat or if it's focusing on Negan when he says catch, but we don't see a character on their knees. Right. So the, who's the, between uh, uh, who's between Mo and Tiger? So it's Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, Catch, and then a Tiger is Daryl. Yeah, but who was Mo? Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo was Michonne. Okay, who's between Michonne and Daryl? Nobody. They're right next to each other. Well, who the hell was Catch? <clears throat> um, well, who knows? I don't know. I mean, maybe... Well, he's, he's doing Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, and he's not going down the line. He's picking random people. Well... Okay, you're getting ahead of it here because he, he, he follows the order pretty closely for the first half of the rhyme. At the second half of the rhyme, it's all over the place. The cut to cut, the scene jumps from one end of the line to the other. All right, so he's not he's not adhering to the sacred pact of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, so yes, he he's not adhering to that sacred pact, but also they threw the, from a you know show technical standpoint, they threw the order out the window as the rhyme went on. But I just want to go through the order here so that you get sort of an idea of where it's at and who we see and if there's anybody we don't see, who the last few people we see are, because these could all be rolled into, you know, a theory about who it is. So I just want to say one more thing about the Sacred Pact of Eeny, Meeny, Money, Mo. Sure. It's like doing rock, <laughs> paper, scissors, and instead of throwing rock, paper, or scissors, you slap the other person across the face. That's not part of it. It's, it's just rude. <laughs> That's right. If you're going to engage one of these one of these things, you do it right. That's yeah. Basically, don't you don't, screw you don't slap the other person. You throw rock, paper, scissors. Exactly. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't think Negan really is concerned with that kind of thing at this point. Well, apparently not. Apparently not. All right. I'll, I'll move on. No, that's fine. So, catch. We don't see a tiger points at Daryl. Um. So all I can think is maybe Negan skipped over Daryl and did catch on either Glenn or Rosita, who are the only other two people in the road that way. Um, catch a tiger by his toe. Uh, I think maybe we, we see, we focus on Negan when he says that. And then if is on Sasha. So he's now back down at the other side of Rick. Sasha's on the other side of Rick right next to him. Um, if he hollers is on Aaron, which is the next person in the line, uh, let him go. We see Negan's face and my mother, we see Negan's face as well. So those two lines are kind of delivered together, looking straight with the camera on Negan. Right. So my mother told me he's focused on Carl, which is indeed the next person in the, in the line next to Aaron. Um, so my mother told me to pick the very best one. Most of that is on Eugene. However, it's intercut with a shot of Michonne and Sasha, not with the bat pointing at them, but just a shot of their face to get their reaction shot. Right. Which means nothing. Which means nothing. Um, now, from here on, it doesn't really follow the order of people at all. So the next word in the rhyme is, um, and you, and we see Rosita and Aaron. Um, and we see the bat in both shots, yet they are at opposite ends of the row. <laughs> so now we get in, now we don't get into you know a realistic sort of movement down the line. It's just they're showing shots of random characters. Um, we see a shot of Glenn with the bat, but no dialogue. And we see uh, 
R. So and you are it is the last few is the last line. R is on Maggie with the bat. And then before he says it, and we go into the POV view, the point of the camera view, we see shots of the bat with each character without Negan saying anything. Daryl, Abraham, Carl, Rick, and then point of view, it. So the last like five or six characters are Glenn, Maggie, Daryl, Abe, Carl, Rick, then you. And me. That's right. As the viewer. So... Before we get into all the emails we got from everybody, is there anything we can take away from from what we we saw here as he was doing any mini mini mo? Uh, the, the only thing I can assume is that uh, what what's happening is that we're jumping around multiple universes, where in each universe uh, our intrepid heroes are sitting in a different order. <laughs> yeah, that's that must be it because if because Negan's not teleporting back and forth. No, but the camera might be jumping around, so then that that accounts for all the confusion as to what's going on. Right. You know, catch is nobody. Like who who was catch? There was nobody was catch. You can't just pick random. You just you have to keep pointing down the line. Yeah, and you you do it in order. Now, so yeah, so I I, I agree. I don't think there's much we can take away from this. The editors and the director sort of went out of their way to make sure they showed every character, showed the bat pointing at every character and almost every character without the bat pointing at them. Um, And as the rhyme goes on, it gets less and less, uh, you know, obvious that he's going in any sort of order or anything like that. So, you know, I don't think there's much we can take away from this. Well, maybe we, the audience, are the uh, are the victim. Like the fir- maybe the first uh, the point of view was uh, intentional and literal in that uh, Negan killed the uh, the uh, us. So maybe the show's <laughs> that's it for the show. I'm pretty sure Scott Gimple killed some some of the audience by making this decision. Um, <laughs> if it if it indeed was his final decision, I imagine it is though. I think it was probably forced upon him. Well, he's the writer. He's him and another guy are credited as the writer, so they would have had to write this scene. But you're right; it may not necessarily have been his first choice. I blame Gail Ann Hurd myself. Poor Gail. Poor Gail. I mean, sure, you did Aliens, and that you know, good job, and you had to put up with being married to uh, James Cameron for a while there when you were doing it. <laughs> good Lord, who would want to do that? But uh, yeah, I, I, that, that's who I blame. Okay, well, and, you know, by extension, James Cameron, because why not? Because why not? He's to blame for Avatar, too. Uh, yes, yes, he is. They're making <laughs> another one, eh? Oh, I know. They're making lots more. Okay. One more thing. Do you have a theory on Jason? On Jason? Do you, Jason, have a theory on who's dead? Do, do you have anything to base it on, or do you want to just take a shot in the dark um, or not? I don't. I don't have any theory. Uh, the reason I don't have a theory is that I agree with you in that after that, uh, uh, detailed analysis, thank you, Chris. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, that the editor and the director and the writers and everybody on the show went out of their way in order to make it impossible to make a analysis of who got picked. Right. So, uh, and I don't, I don't think the, the actors know who was picked at this point. I don't think that the any of the staff on set know who was picked. I think it's a big secret that's going to be, uh, it's going to come out next season. But 
Scott Kimple might not know. Well, I, I can tell you for sure that he probably does at this point because they're going to be starting filming, you know, in the next month probably. I don't um, know, man. I've had uh, writing assignments that uh, I've left critical parts to the very, very last second. Well, yeah, you may be right. Um, but I can tell you that when they shot this, the actors, none of them knew. Obviously, they were all there for most of the filming. None of them knew who it was going to be at the time. Um, the people, you know, Scott Gimple and the other guy who wrote this episode did had not made a choice when they wrote the episode. So they did not know at the time. So nobody had made the decision of who it was going to be when they were filming this episode back, you know, earlier this, well, last year sometime probably. Such chicken shit. Yeah. So, so they focused on this. They knew they were going to do it this way. And, you know, that actual decision was not being made. I guess they figure we can make that call later when we have more information about who we think it should be. <laughs> what are they doing? What are they uh, – are they testing this with, with audiences to see who they think that uh, would be the best fit? Like is this going to be uh, uh, judged by a committee and test audiences? Well, I I don't think there's any way they could actually do like t test audience, like show this to people and, and then – see which one they react to best, but they can wait and they can do things like analyze the social media response, which now they have a crap ton of to look at. Uh, you know, the, the Glenn under the dumpster thing was probably a test to see how people would react to Glenn being killed off. I mean, I, maybe it's cynical, but I really believe that this is the kind of thing they're, they're doing now because they don't, they don't, seem to have confidence in the story they want to tell. So they are humming and hawing and being all wishy-washy and doing things, trying to figure out what's going to be maybe on one hand, the most upsetting for people, but on the other hand, the least upsetting for people. I don't know what they think would be better. It's uh, it reminds me of a, of a quote. I don't know where the West wing got it, but I always bring things back to West wing. Uh, one of the, the quote was, uh, my, there go my people. I should find out where they're going so that I can lead them. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good quote. I mean, and that that applies here totally. Yeah. Just you know, you're telling the story. We're we're not dictating where that story goes. We want you to tell us a story. Tell us a goddamn story and and make it good or make it make it good, make it bad. I don't know. Make it the best you can. And if we don't like it, we don't like it. But don't. Yeah, don't. There's also a military adage that a uh, a good decision now is better than a perfect decision later. <laughs> Just make a damn decision. Just make a damn decision. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, what was I saying? So yeah, none of the actors knew they hadn't made their decision yet, and I heard today that um, the actual POV scene, like when they filmed that, nobody else, nobody was on set except for Negan. Like that was the last thing they shot. Jeffrey right. Dean Morgan was there. They shot that minimal crew, you know, no actors, they were all gone. And then he wrapped and hopped on a plane to go home like two hours later. So even that little bit at the end, it's not like anyone was around to talk about it or think about it or whatever. So they don't know. And the only, and I, the reason I think they know now is because they got to start shooting soon. They have to have things written and so on. So I figure someone's had to have made a decision by now, but you think Scott Gimple took know. all the writers uh, on a weekend getaway to uh, like Kirks and Caicos or 
uh, the Bahamas or somewhere and got them to hold up in a hotel room and hash out who was to be killed? Um, because of my kind of cynical attitude towards this, I think if he did that, what he probably did is took them down to Turks and Caicos, put them in a hotel room and said, okay, guys, how many death scenes are we going to film so that when they leak, there's going to be five or six options out there and then no one will know which is the one we're going to use. Or we can film six or seven of them and then drop one in at the last second, you know, and we have the option oh, yeah. to make that change. Yeah, maybe they, uh, they're they writing all of the death scenes or a group of the death scenes yep. so that they can, uh, like you say, drop them in. They don't have to decide until they're in the editing room. That's what I mean. They don't have to decide until they're on the last day of editing, probably. Oh, man. Anyways. Let's let's get into people's email here. Am I going to start? Yeah. You're... Okay. So the first bunch of emails are a lot about, you know, the Negan scene, a lot of theories, things like that. Um, the first one comes from Brad in Australia. Brad says, we all know that the final shot of the episode was done in a first person view, but that's not the only first person camera view of the of the episode. The episode starts with the shot of what we later find out is from the perspective of Daryl, Michonne, Rosita and Glenn from inside the back of a truck. This shot appears multiple times throughout. Could it be that the episode begins and ends with the same first-person view? When the truck is opened up, we see what looks like the back and side of Daryl's head on the left of the screen. It is Michonne who is directly behind Daryl, then Rosita, then Glenn. Do you think that the writers might be hiding Negan's victim in plain sight? That's a good point. Yes. Maybe. So it's Michonne. I mean, what he's getting at here is that uh, our perspective in the van is from Michonne and our, for, if that's the first person perspective that they're going with throughout the whole episode, Michonne would be the one at the end. They're not going to kill Michonne. I would tend to agree with that, but it's a good theory. I mean, looking for clues, that's a, that's a good way to go. Well, the, the, the love interest, the, the fact that her and Rick are now a thing might lead you to think that in order to fuck with Rick, that they would kill Michonne. Mm -hmm. And that would be a, an interesting storyline where everybody that Rick loves dies, except for his son, who refuses to die even when he's shot in the head. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> his best friend dies, his wife dies, uh, now his girlfriend dies, uh, and the other girlfriend that he almost had died. Uh -huh. And uh, basically everybody he cares about... Uh, dies except for well there's also judith she she didn't die not yet yeah not yet um no that's that's a good theory um but michonne feels too important to the show and and she didn't have uh enough screen time this season in order to make us think that uh or to lead me to believe that she's going to die yeah i i agree with that too um but but you know feels too important to the show I don't mean that from sort of my perspective or even an audience in general perspective. I mean, maybe some people feel that way, but I'm trying to put myself in the showrunner's perspective or the sh in the shoes of the people who are making this, this television show. And if I was them sitting around going, can we kill Michonne? Nah, it's Michonne. Come on. Can we kill Daryl? No, I don't think so. Can we kill Aaron? Yeah, probably. We'll put, probably. put Aaron on the list. Yeah. Can we kill Rosita? Yeah, she's had a lot to do lately, but yeah, probably. Can can we kill Glenn? No, I don't think so. And I'm trying to put myself in that those shoes because that's the sort of perception I have of them at this point. You think they have a big spreadsheet 
of all the characters uh, and then the uh, like with with columns for uh, how important they are for plot, how much screen time they have, what's the social media feedback on them, and then they weight each individual one, and then they compare and contrast the different rows and put them on a chart somewhere, and they go, okay, our, our statistical analysis shows that Rosita is going to die. Oh my god! If they are, if they're determining the storyline of this show based on any kind of statistical analysis <laughs> like that, um, I I don't even know what to say about that because it's terrible. It's 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 no longer a creative endeavor at that point. It is no, it's a statistical one. It is a statistical <laughs> endeavor pandering to what they think is going to make them the most money. Anyways, I want to I want to stop being so negative on this. I, we're, we're all putting right. all sorts of assumptions on, onto these people and we don't really have any evidence that any of it's true. So, and dispersions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I just, I, you know, even though I, you know, kind of do feel that way, I think that feeling will diminish as time goes on. And it's right. just, it's just right now. Clearly I haven't got over it yet. <laughs> right. All right. So, well, let's go on to our second of uh, many, many emails. <laughs> yes. All right, so next we have uh, Neal. Neal? How do you think I, I should pronounce that? I'm not sure, to be honest, but uh, right. it's probably not Nail. It's not Nail. It's Neal in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. At the end of Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo scene, uh, Negan says, you are it. During this time, the camera shows Aaron, Abraham, Carl, Daryl, Glenn, Maggie, Rick, as well as two POV shots. I said that really fast. I apologize. It's okay. I believe the owner of the POV shot is someone who wasn't originally shown. This would have this would leave Eugene, Michonne, Rosita, and Sasha. If you wish to expand further, a POV shot was shown after every ad break. It is later revealed that it was from the people captured by Dwight at the end of the previous episode. This leaves the possibility of it being either Michonne or Rosita. Okay, so we sort of have another vote for Mich- Michonne here. Yep. Um, similar reasoning, that it was a POV shot. Um but we add Rosita as a possibility. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ronan in Ireland writes, my holy crap, did you see that moment of the finale was when Negan's bat rained blows upon Daryl's head. (laughs) (laughs) You heard me. I think it's most likely that Daryl's head was crushed by Lucille. Negan had earlier contemplated putting the, putting the fever ridden Maggie quote, out of her misery, I think he applied the same reasoning to Daryl, who also looked the worse for wear, having been shot by Dwight in the previous episode. Well, obviously, Negan didn't hear Dwight say, yeah, you'll be all right. No, he obviously didn't hear that. He wasn't there for that. Um, but I think, again, here Ronan brings up a good point. If he if he sees one character who looks really rough, and he's like, oh, I'll just put you out of your misery, um, and then he changes his mind. Maybe he doesn't really change his mind. He just moves on to the next, you know, most miserable looking person. And that would be Daryl because he has a <laughs> bullet hole in his shoulder. <laughs> right. And, you know, his hair hasn't been washed in three years. So, yeah, it's pretty greasy. Pretty greasy. All right. Next we have Michael in Kentucky. I think Daryl is Lucille's victim. I'm pretty sure that Dar- it's that it was Daryl's POV we were seeing all throughout the episode with the weird lights and voices. They had to show those POV shots for a reason. Then, of course, the kill shot was POV, just a guess. Yep, so same thing. It's just we get a different character inside the van. We don't really know whose eyes we were looking out inside the van, and maybe each time they cut to it, it was a different character. There were four people in the van, and I think we got four 
van shots after commercial breaks. Each so, one being a little clearer than the last. So the first one probably was Daryl because he's the most messed up in yeah, the van. Yeah, probably. So he's probably got the blurriest vision. And then can you rank the other people in there for messed upness? They're all about the same, probably. They're all about the same. It's all a crapshoot from that point. Although, I mean, at least Glenn and, and Michonne were tied up for a while. They might have been beat up a little, so you never know. Rosita, she was captured with Daryl, so in theory might not have been tied up for very long or really beat up much. So she might have been the most lucid one in there. Well, somebody cut off one of Michonne's locks of her dread, her dreadlocks yep. and put that on the zombie. So maybe uh, some of uh, Michonne's dreadlocks are the source of her power and that uh, <laughs> that's causing her vision to be uh, blurry as well. So yeah. I would go uh, Daryl, Michonne, and then uh, I'm not sure from there. Yeah, Glenn. I'm sure gonna... I'll figure it out as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably come up with come up with something else, yeah. yeah. Um, I, Brian and Maryland. Maryland writes, I have a theory that Dwight actually saved Daryl's life by shooting him in the shoulder. Dwight knows Negan and his group well and probably knows Negan will not make a spectacle like this and then kill someone who's sick or maimed. Well, so this, this is the other side of the coin. Like maybe Negan would only want to kill someone who looks strong and powerful, not someone who's already been shot or, you know, having baby problems. So this is a uh, asshole is actually a good guy trope. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, if he's going to kill someone who's strong, that's an asshole being an asshole. No, I mean, uh, Dwight being uh, the oh. asshole that is ultimately a good guy. Uh, you know, he seems like he's an asshole, but his asshole actions actually saves the life of somebody. So it's, uh, it turns out to be a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. That you're right. You never know what's going to happen with Dwight. Maybe and he's almost, not also, uh, also bad. I almost spoiled a, a well-known f- movie franchise. With a similar tale. <laughs> well, I'm kind of surprised you didn't <laughs> with your <laughs> too, track record bit. lately. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next we have Jasper in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. We all thought it would be Glenn after his narrow dumpster escape, but that seems very unlikely now, at least to me, because right before Negan strikes, he says, you can scream, you can cry, and he and looks both to the left and to the right of the victim. Glenn is at the leftmost position in the semicircle, so there would be no point in looking left. Uh, same goes for Eugene on the right. In fact, uh, by how far he looked to either side, I'd say that it's uh, Rosita, it's Rosita and Daryl on the left, and Carl and Aaron on the right. Uh, they're pretty safe too. Of course, Rick and Carl are safe because of the uh, feeding the eyes to his father line. That leaves Michonne, Abraham, Maggie, and Sasha. For now, my money is on Abraham. He was right in the middle and wouldn't go down in one hit. That's another interesting point that, you know, Negan, well, we know Negan hit seven or nine times, um, and the person did not crumple straight to the ground after the first hit. And I got to say, you know, I'm pretty sure I would be on the ground after being bashed in the head with a baseball bat like that. Um, But... There are other people who might not go down so easy, and Abraham seems like one of them. Big, strong well, He's got dude. that tall hair, too, right? Which is like a helmet. He's got the hair. That's right. So uh, I don't know. I think that's interesting. But at the end of the day here, we have Michonne on another list of the potential uh, potential victims. Right. So, so far, Michonne has been a fairly popular choice. Um We'll see. Carter in California writes, pretty sure Negan killed Abraham. 
he was the only one without hair in his face, so we can see Negan clearly. So this is an interesting idea. The POV shot was a clear shot of Negan. There was no hair hanging in front of the eyes, which pretty much eliminates Daryl. <laughs> Yeah. If if we can, you know, take this to mean anything. Um, the problem is Aaron, Sasha, and Rosita also don't have hair in their face. It's either pulled back or just out of the way. Um, and in fact, Michonne, her dreadlocks kind of come down beside her eyes. But well, that's not what in, I was going to say. Not Michonne's on that list too, I think. Yeah, exactly. But Glenn has some hair in his face. Uh, Rick has some, you know, not a ton. Um and then Carl's a hat on, of course, with hair in his face. Well, he also has only one eye, and uh, we didn't see half the screen covered. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> it's dark. It's black on one side. <laughs> yeah, I know vision doesn't work that way. I've closed one eye before. I know exactly. <laughs> I know, but I can just... you... That would be so stupid and cheesy if they covered one half of the screen because he's wearing an eye patch. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Well, they do that with binoculars, right? Whenever somebody's looking through binoculars in movie and TV, they overlay that uh, that thing where you've seen the black edges around it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever looked through binoculars, but it doesn't work that way. No, lots of times I have. <laughs> it's funny, though. Yeah. They have to portray it somehow on yeah, screen. Yeah, somehow. What they, they did it well in Star Wars. They just they put the fancy Liberty Blips on the screen. Of course. Well, those are Star Wars binoculars. Yes. <laughs> so anyways, the hair and the face thing, um, I have a feeling that even if it ends up being Daryl or Glenn or somebody with hair in their face, they do the POV shot with no hair because one, that would be too obvious, and two, well, they're not going to obstruct the screen with hair. That seems silly. Now, you and I both have had stupid long hair in the stupid past. Stupid long. Yeah. It's been a long time, though. And we've had hair in our face. And uh, I think a little bit of hair in your face, you don't really notice it. Like, it doesn't really block your vision unless you have a lot of hair in your face. <laughs> yeah. Like you're throwing up and nobody's holding your hair back. <laughs> then you then you just your hair in your face. You notice that there's hair in your face because it's covered in puke. Yeah. You notice then. <laughs> That's when you notice. Yeah. But if you got a few strands of hair, it's not something that you really notice or uh, uh, really blocks your vision. Like look at any dog that has, hasn't had a haircut in a long time. Uh, they're going to have hair hanging down in their face. You probably can't even see their eyes half the time. And they're still looking around. They can find things without, you know, knocking their heads in the doors and things. So I think a little bit of hair in your face, I don't think would obstruct your vision to a point where uh, we'd have to see something on the camera. No, I, I get what you're saying. You, your, your brain cancels out your hair, blocking and, your vision. Yeah. And your nose. Really? Yeah, you you can see your nose, but your brain just kind of writes it out of reality most of the time. Hmm. Well, I've never thought about that. Um, it's funny you mentioned the dog, though. We have a dog at the office. One guy brings his dog in most of the time. Yeah. And this dog, yeah, you can't see its eyes. And I was talking to my coworker about this, and I'm saying that I, I don't know how this dog sees where it's going at, ever, at any given moment. And he said, you know, I think dogs uh, have something like smellolocation. They can almost smell things and know, get a picture of their surroundings based on the scent. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either, but it's a cool <laughs> idea. It reminds yeah. me of Daredevil. He can use his hearing to get a visual mind picture of his surroundings. I think dogs can do that with their, their noses. That's, that's ridiculous. I've always hated Daredevil for that very specific reason. Well, you should watch the Daredevil Netflix show. It's fantastic. Yeah. Because in my opinion, a disability is not a, or sorry, a disadvantage. I'm talking about uh, champions, the role-playing game, and you can have disadvantages. And the rule is a disadvantage is not a disadvantage if it's not a disadvantage. So- Makes sense to me. It makes sense. If you, if you are blind, 
but you can see anyway. Why bother being blind? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Daredevil on Netflix is really cool. You should watch it. It's very, I know. Very actually, good. the reason I'm holding off on watching Daredevil is because I watched the first episode and I liked it so much. Yeah. That I'm holding off because I want to wait for a special occasion. I'm not sure exactly what my thinking is, but I'm holding off because I liked it. Okay, good. Well, they do a good job with Daredevil. Um, but move on to our next emailer here. All right. Next, we have Yelka in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And Yelka thinks it's Abe. Yep. Uh, and she provides some other evidence, but uh, most of which we've already mentioned, but uh, she also has a couple of more points. Uh, she writes, uh, you can see the shadow of Negan crossing in front of Rick's face from left to right, meaning that the one who died is located to the right of Rick. And she also writes, Abe's body expression. He's He is the one, uh, he's the only one looking directly into the eyes of Negan and saying with his posture, I'm ready to die. And Abe also said goodbye to Eugene and Sasha. So he definitely said goodbye to Eugene. Sasha, I think um, Yelka's referring to the so you want to have a baby scene. <laughs> well, that's not really saying goodbye. No, that's, that's what I mean. saying I would like to have a baby with you. Right. I, that's what I mean. I don't really feel like he said goodbye to her unless there's something else I'm forgetting. But uh, Maybe I want to get you pregnant is a euphemism for I'm dumping you. In Abe's mind. <laughs> Maybe. Jesus, I don't know. Um, but to the people, the people to the right of Rick are Maggie, Abe, Michonne, Daryl, Rosita, and Glenn. So Abraham is on that list. So could could be him. Uh, Gary in Blair Gowrie, Scotland. That's, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce that. Totally, probably not. No. Uh, Gary writes, when Negan steps forward towards his target, he casts a shadow on Rick's left cheek. This means everybody to Rick's right is safe. So Gary has the opposite interpretation of uh, Yelka. Well, where's the light source? That's what I. That's what we don't know. We don't know where the light source is, so we're not sure what that shadow is is being created by. Anyways, Gary goes on. Everyone to Rick's right is safe. That's Maggie, Abe, Michonne, Daryl, Rosita, and Glenn. When he tells his guys to cut out Carl's eye, if nobody moves, he gestures to his right towards Carl. This means he's standing between. Rick and Carl. So the victim is either Aaron or Sasha. Those are the only two people between Rick and Carl. So another theory. Think, yeah, it's another theory and it's a compelling one. It is. And I, I think I made up my mind who I think it is. Okay. Let's get through this section of the feedback and then sure. you and I can give our final, final thoughts. All right. We have uh, next is uh, Joshua in Miami, Florida. Uh, that was one intense episode, guys. The last 10 minutes made my heart heart rate skyrocket. Uh, to end all that tension with the biggest cliffhanger ever was just pure evil. I feel so uneasy. Anybody is up to bat, so to speak, and I know everyone <laughs> is trying to guess who it is. I personally think it's Glenn, but at the last second before Negan can land the killing blow, Glenn rolls under that dumpster behind behind him and gets away safely out of Lucille's range. Okay, no. But seriously, it was Daryl for sure. Or Michonne. Oh, no, Abraham. Maggie. Or maybe, <laughs> uh, just kidding. It was Daryl, 100%. <laughs> All right. Joshua's got a few ideas there. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the, the, if there is a dumpster, then Glenn's under it. He's definitely under it, yep. Randy in Fawn Township, Pennsylvania. Negan is portrayed as the ultimate evil genius and well-organized leader of the Saviors. He totally outsmarts Rick and brings him to his knees. But I believe he made one huge mistake. Why would he not kill Rick? 
it is it not the most obvious decision to kill the leader of the group who has already killed 20 to 30 or more of your group? Obviously, the writers would not kill off the main hero on the show, but from Negan's perspective, it makes no sense. How is Negan, who is underestimating his enemy, just as Rick did leading up to that point? How How is it now Negan, who is underestimating his enemy, just as Rick did leading up to that point? Well, it depends <laughs> on what Negan wants out of this group. Like, at the, the he, every, the saviors take things from communities. They take a tithe or a tax from each of the communities in order to sustain them, uh, sustain the sur- survivors, <laughs> surveyors, saviors, <laughs> saviors, man, brain just, just shut right down there. Right. So the saviors, uh, in order for them to survive, they take something from each, uh, each community. Mm-hmm. What does he want from this community? Uh, so it depends on what he wants. If he wants, uh, you know, what, what is this community good at? Attacking other people. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what he wants, is the this people as a uh, a SWAT team or a, uh, just a special attack team or a wet team kind of thing to go in and be an enforcement arm. I know all of the saviors are an enforcement arm of uh, in and amongst themselves, but maybe he wants some uh, some other elite group that is capable of this kind of thing. Yeah, I have, I have a different idea on this, though. I mean, the reason to not kill Rick for me is... We're we're really getting into idioms this this uh, episode, but what's the and and I feel like we can't remember any of them. But what's the one about um, cutting the head off of a snake? Um, if if you want to, I don't know. If you want to kill a snake, you cut the head off. Yeah, no, you know what it is. It's it's cut off the head and the body dies or something like that. But if if he if he kills Rick, like he doesn't want this group to fall apart. He wants this group to continue gathering supplies and ammunition and stuff like that, and then he takes 50% of it. That's what he gets out of it, Negan. But if you kill Rick, I think there's a big risk that this group just falls apart and no longer is a group that's going to be productive anyway. A group, even if they're dominated, needs a leader, right? They need someone to keep them together, keep them organized, and keep them doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you kill that leader, maybe this group is just like, well, what do we do now, guys? And they all go their separate ways, or they starve to death, or or whatever, right? They they fall apart as a group. So I think what Negan wants to do is intimidate them so much that the leader is still the leader of that group, but he his he's under Negan's thumb and will do anything he says, right? Yeah. And you can't do that if you kill him, but you can do that if you intimidate him to that point. I think that's kind of the point I was haphazardly trying to get at. All in right. that it depends on what they want from the group. If they mm-hmm. want a cohesive uh, community, then don't kill the leader. Mm-hmm. If you just want a bunch of people, then kill the leader. That's right. If you if want you... to govern them, govern them yourself, then kill the leader, and you can take the ragtag remains mm-hmm. and, and govern them somehow. But if you want them as a cohesive group, you don't kill the leader. No. If if, if you want to assimilate them into your group, then you can yep. kill the leader and bring them in. I mean, maybe they won't be happy about that, but they're still alive at least. Um, and you've shown a massive power play, which is enough to probably scare them into line. Um, what I think Negan is looking for, because his group is big enough already, that there seems to be an awful lot of saviors. Uh, so what he's looking for is satellite communities that he can use to gather supplies. And so he needs to leave the leaders alive, but get them working for him on, you know, whether they like it or not. Right. So there you go. Well, it makes me think of, uh, have you ever 
uh, read the book uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel? Nope. Uh, it's by who? Jerry Jared Diamond, who uh, had part of the part of the book was uh, domesticating animals. Like, there's five criteria for being able to domesticate an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, they have to be they have to be able to survive in captivity. They have to be able to breed in captivity. Uh, they have to have something useful to humans. Uh, and I forget what the fourth one is, but the fifth one is they have to have a hierarchical social structure and humans have to be able to take the, uh, take the top spot. Right. Right. So, uh, if you kill the leader, if, if Negan killed Rick, he would basically have to take that top spot from this group of people. Mm-hmm. He would have to become the leader of the group of this, uh, this collection of people. But if he doesn't kill the leader, then it can remain uh, and uh, Rick can still be the the top spot. And just that whole thing reminded me, uh, or not reminded me, but makes me think that, uh, you know what? I think humans are uh, really going to be good at being domesticated someday by aliens. <laughs> when the aliens arrive? <laughs> well, I, for one, welcome our uh, insect overlords. As do I. As yeah. do I. They're probably already here. <laughs> yeah, probably. The occasional two-inch centipede I see in my basement, Jesus, they scare the shit out of me. <laughs> I saw an ant the other day that was the size of a semi. That's <laughs> a big ant, man. It was a big ant. He was, uh, yeah, it was carrying off a Dotson. <laughs> get out of the way of that ant. You don't want to get <laughs> yeah. in his way. <laughs> no kidding. All right. All right, where are we? All right, next we have Corey in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, my prediction is Rick Grimes. Another Rick Grimes. Uh, another Rick Grimes. So Corey had a bunch of reasons, uh, but uh, we're only going to take two here. Uh, so the first one is Kirkman said that there are clues about who dies, but not in the camera angles in the finale. In the episode East, there was a book behind Rick that has hardly been mentioned. It's The Indwelling by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. One of the main plot points of the book is that it deals with how people learn to cope and go on after a world leader has been killed. Hmm. Uh, second point is also people always talk about the whims of the writers when questioning whether a character is staying, but they rarely talk about the actor. Wasn't Andrew Lincoln's second child born right around the start of season one? He spent the better part of six years away from home, friends, and family. Uh, as much as he enjoys the show and The Walking Dead family, it's not unreasonable to think that he might want to go home and, and work closer to his family. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's a real-world reason that an actor might want to, to leave a show, um, which is a possibility. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about Andrew Lincoln feeling that way or wanting to go or anything like that, but it's within the realm of possibility, I think. Yeah. You, you remember, you watched Three's Company, right? Well, I mean, I know of Three's Company, and I did watch it as a kid sometimes, yeah. Do you remember the season of Three's Company when uh, Chrissy goes to visit her aunt, and I put that in quotes, and uh, the only time she showed up on the show was at the end of every episode and she was talking to Jack or Janet on the uh, on the phone. Just, do you have any recollection of this whatsoever? I do not. All right. That wasn't because like that wasn't because of storytelling. That was because uh Suzanne Summers Pregnant. wanted an outrageous amount of money and they said uh no, we're not going to give it to you and she said, "Well, you can't have a show without me." And they said, "Yeah, we'll see about that." But her contract <laughs> said that she had to be on the show. 
Like she was uh, contracted for a certain number of seasons and uh, her contract said that she was supposed – she had to be in every episode. So what they did was they just tacked – they filmed her completely off on another set and didn't interact with any of the other actors at all. They just filmed her part and then plugged it into the episode at the end of it. So real world uh, actor stuff does uh, happen. Uh, does dictate what happens inside uh, a story. It does for sure. Um, that sounds like there was, you know, animosity between <laughs> the people making the show and the actor in that case. I don't get the feeling that there's anything like that going on. No, here. there's no animosity. I'm just using it as a uh, yeah. as an illustration of uh, real world can impact storytelling. Oh, totally, totally. But I'm saying like that that kind of thing could happen on this show. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but even if it's not. Real world, Andrew Lincoln might just want to go home and be with his kids. So he's like, yeah. kill me off with a baseball bat, everyone. I'm I'm done. I'm done with this horse and pony show. Right. Dog, dog and pony show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of uh, I'm sick of shooting guns. I'm going to go back to doing uh, – well, what was he doing before? He was shooting guns. There was a show where he was uh, on a SWAT team or something, right? Oh, he did that, yeah. And he did a British um, sitcom – not sitcom, sort of uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's done a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Right. Love well, actually. We saw his tallywhacker that one time. That's right. We saw Andrew Lincoln's John Thomas in that <laughs> right. show, which a name I can't remember right now. Yeah, go back and watch his back catalog and you'll get all kinds of entertaining stuff. All kinds of good stuff. All right. Rebecca on the internet writes, if not knowing who Negan killed is important to the development of characters and or events in season seven, so be it. As fans, we'll have to trust and wait as we have for six years. If there is no logical, purposeful connection between the mystery killing and the story itself, uh, what was the point? If dragging out a story takes precedence over the storyline itself, then Negan better go ahead and finish the show off, finish the show off while he's at it. Well, you see, that uh, kind of uh, leads into my point as maybe us, the audience, were killed off. Yep, they just killed off the audience, so season seven is a myth. You can't have a show without an audience. You just can't do it. No, the audience is important. They, they, by definition, a show needs an audience. That's like stage actors. You need, you need the audience. They're required. Yeah, exactly. They're not, you're not doing anything if there's no audience. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right, next we have Mark on the internet. I know you guys have had issues with blood splattering onto the screen this season, but I'm wondering if perhaps the showrunners decided to adopt the technique purely to set up the way they had to handle Negan's noggin squashing uh, this uh, session. I'm sure the choice is to place us in the position of the unlucky Alexandrian uh, was to avoid censor baiting imagery. And the use of the blood running down the screen really helped to drive home the horror of the moment. Perhaps the creators thought it would be a good idea to condition us to accept the bloody screen uh, so this trick wouldn't seem too out of place. Right. So Mark is saying that they they decided just not to show the head, the noggin squashing session, which I like, um, (laughs) because it was it would be too brutal, too offensive. And, uh, you know, as he said, censor-baiting imagery. They they just get censored for it. I don't think so. I mean, they've shown some pretty horrific stuff on this show. Um, and, you know, why is this any different than any of that other stuff? Um, and, then, and then, you know, th- when they decided to do that, they had to put blood on the screen, and they didn't want us to get all upset because that was out of place in the finale if we'd never seen it before, and that's why they did it throughout the season. Right. Um. Yeah, maybe, but 
the blood on the screen became annoying anyways, and so it just kind of added to my frustration with the finale. Right. We never did end up accepting it. No, never did. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people did either, yeah. from what I've heard. It's like the X-Files and Aliens. I was sure that they were setting us up to tell us that aliens were real. Mm-hmm. So they were they were just uh, they were priming the pump as it were, and I you know maybe that's exactly what they were doing with all the blood on the screen throughout the season. Yep, they were priming the pump for this final shot. That's what they were doing. Finally, here Dan in Durant, Iowa, and by finally I mean until we move on to other feedback, not the end of the podcast. Uh, Dan in Durant, Iowa writes: I fear that next season will start with a time jump, and we will never see the Negan beating from any other perspective than our own. I think we, the audience, deserve to see some of the brutality that the scene in the comic is known for. Well, they showed a, a whole wall of Polaroids of people with their heads bashed in. Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about that. That's right. So why wouldn't they... Well, I guess they can't show us the actual bashing. That's pretty violent. Well, Instead of just being gross, which the show is gross and that's fine, uh, It's uh, it, you're crossing over from gross to violent. Yeah, well, I guess, but I mean, shooting people is violent, and they show that all the time. It is, but you can shoot people until you're blue in the face, and as soon as you hit somebody in the knees with a baseball bat, everybody goes, oh! Well, it does seem a lot more personal, but we have a lot of knife work in this show, too, but uh, to be fair, it's mostly against walkers. Still, I mean, not all of us have been stabbed, and not all of us have been shot, but a lot of us have bashed our knees. So we can relate a lot more to getting our knees bashed in with a baseball bat than Oof. we can with being stabbed in the shoulder. I guess so. I guess you're right. I don't know. I am I wonder if, I mean, they've said they're going to tell us who was killed in, in the first episode of season seven, but I wonder if they're going to show it to us. And the more I think about it, I'm not so sure. They will. I vote no. I vote we're not going to see it. I think I vote for, uh, well, not that my vote counts for anything, but uh, my prediction is that they won't show us, that we will do a time jump, even if that time jump is 10 minutes. Or, or 10 seconds. Like or maybe 10 seconds. the episode picks up 15, 10, 15 seconds later, whoever was killed is dead on the ground, and we're just seeing the aftermath of it. We don't see the oh, actual yeah. bat impact head. Because we've already seen that. We've already, we've heard the, well, we've, we've seen the first bash yeah. from first person perspective and we've uh, seen and heard the rest of the bashes. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll pick up po- after that. Post you know, bashing. Post bashing, the camera will pan back and uh, somebody will be dead on the ground with their head all bashed in. Yep. But how will we know who it is? Because clothing? Clothing or you just, you know who they are. You're supposed to remember the order of the people and then you see the wide shot and one person's down. Maybe maybe uh, Glenn will cry out, "Oh, Daryl!" Yeah, that's no! right. Not not Daryl. <laughs> not no! Daryl. You bastards. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. Ex little exhibition there. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Okay, so our next bunch of feedback here is more specifically about the cliffhanger in general, not so much and the nature of the cliffhanger, not so much who. Negan killed or the details. So it was Sasha. Oh, right. You were going to, you were going to give us your theory. So you think it's Sasha? I think it's Sasha. I don't really have any reason other than I just have a feeling. Yeah. It's Sasha. Okay. Well, I have a feeling it's Abraham. And I think because for a few reasons, one, Abraham is the guy who kind of like straightened himself up when Negan was in front of him, kind of saying, I'm, not afraid of you 
Right. And so Negan might take that as a, oh, you're not afraid of me, eh? Well, get a load of this. You know, be afraid of this kind of thing. Um, you don't and, think it's compelling that uh, Abraham will go back to Rosita and say, well, you're the last woman on earth again. You want to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> if Sasha's dead, well, it's, it's you again. Yeah. <laughs> you're I mean, up. I mean, Maggie's pregnant. I, I can't get with her. <laughs> She's taken. Carol's gone. <laughs> That's right. Everybody else is dead. Enid's you're too the last young. woman on earth. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe it is Sasha. <laughs> no, I think it's Abraham. I think, uh, I think that he positioned himself to be, you know, a th- not a threat, but he sort of stood up to Negan in a way without actually standing up. I think he had his goodbye scene and his, you know, baby making scene in this episode with Eugene and with Sasha. So he had some stuff to do there. And I think uh, I think that the showrunners would consider Abraham a safe choice, to be quite honest with you. People aren't going to go bonkers, like if it was Daryl or Glenn or somebody, but they feel like Abraham is a big enough character that viewers will think, huh, they really took a chance here and killed off a big character. That and they've been pumping him up for the last seven episodes. They have been pumping his tires for a little while, yeah. Oh, man. I think you're right. So I think Abraham just falls right down that perfect alleyway of of all the things that have been happening, but also big character who's been around for a while, but not at the level of Glenn, Daryl, Rick, Michonne, so and Maggie. So yeah. I think I think Abraham is my first choice for those reasons. Uh well, I, I think Aaron is probably a good choice too. I, I think Aaron's a bad choice. He showed up in the premiere and the finale, and that was pretty much it. Well, I I think, okay, I yeah, I know what you mean by bad choice, but I think he's a likely choice for some I, reason. They can't go that cheap. They can't. They can't do that. Just pick a random. It's like killing off a red shirt. Yeah, I know. It, but- I mean, sure, it's campy when you do it every episode, but if you do it. Uh, too much in this show, which is known for killing off main characters. It used to be pissed. Well, it used to be. Yeah, it's that's what it's known for. Right. Okay. Right? I mean, even the uh, even the comic had uh, had that going for it. It's like holy crap, they killed Shane. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for the first twelve episodes. No, issues of the comic. We're allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. What was my point? That uh, they they were known for that. That was what the the big uh, the big thing was with this show and with the with the comic is that holy crap they kill off main characters in this show. Mm-hmm. So if they keep not doing that, uh, people are well, people are pissed anyway. But people are going to get more pissed. Yeah, that's true. I I just want to say one more thing though before we move on here, and that is that you know I I'm not a TV writer. I'm not a writer of any kind. You know, I don't create creative things like this. Uh, There's a whole, you know, I do create things in my day-to-day job in a way, but uh, not in the same way that that a writer creates a TV show or a book or a movie or whatever. Um, But I know that people in these situations do feel like they, they have a certain affection for the characters they've helped shape and mold, right? And they sometimes overinflate those characters a little bit or overvalue them. So the example I want to give is, you know, my fantasy hockey team and the league I'm in, the the hockey pool I'm in. There are very few trades in my league because everybody 
overvalues the players they own. Everyone wants to make a good deal, get a good trade, but to a man, everybody in this league overvalues the players. So it's hard to make trades because you always want way more than than a player really should should bring you in a trade. And that's just because you own the guy, you know, you've had him for a while, you feel good about him. You don't want to trade him, so you want to get something really good for it, you know, and you're just you're overvaluing your own players. I feel like there's probably writers, showrunners who look at the characters on this show and probably think, "Oh, but he's so important," even though maybe he or she is not that important. And I think Aaron might be in that that kind of position where they look at Aaron and we're like, well, he's, he's been around for a season and he's the one who found them and brought them to Alexandria. And he had that big moment with that big one episode with Maggie. I mean, Aaron's a, we could, you know, Aaron's an important character. You called him a red shirt a few minutes ago, but I think the writers probably look at him and go, Oh, Aaron, you know, we could kill Aaron. That would be a big deal for a lot of people. Well, I, I called him a red shirt because of, you know, red shirts would show up and die. Right. That's all they did was show up and die. Yeah. And if they kill off Aaron in this episode, that's exactly what happened in this episode was he showed up and died. Yeah. So he didn't, he wasn't in the last episode. He wasn't in the episode before that. He wasn't in the episode before that. No. Yeah. So that, you know, I, I like Aaron too. And I think he's, uh, I, I think as a character and as a storytelling device, I think he could be really cool mm-hmm. and to, uh, cause he's very level headed and he's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. So, uh, yeah, I th- I think he should have a bigger role, and I I'd like to see him stick around and become uh, you know have a bigger role in the uh, in the storytelling. But as a you know, uh, if they just killed him off in this season finale, it would feel like a redshirt kind of thing to do. It would, and my point is just like I think maybe from some writer or show creator's perspective, they don't see it that way. You know, that's all. That's all I'm saying because they overvalue the character right. a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they have a very good level-headed perspective on the whole thing and that's it. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Okay. All so right. you're moving on to the cliffhanger. Right? Yeah. yeah. This first <laughs> we'll one's just... funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first one is Ronald in Almere, the Netherlands. Oh my God. Did you hear that? You guys pulled off the same cliffhanger <laughs> as the walking dead by not predicting Negan's victim. Yeah. Yeah. In last on Monday's podcast, I said, you know, we'll talk about who we think killed Negan on the next show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think of that at the time, but good point, Ronald. Anyways, you only had to wait two days, maybe three, um, not six months. That's true. So there you go. Okay, we've got uh, some calls now here in a row. The first one comes from Jamie in London. And Jamie, I don't consider these major spoilers, but he does mention a few characters that are dead in the comic, but alive on the show. So that's big. I don't think that's big. It's big. It's spoiling the comic. You just by, you know, coupling that with what you just said. Well, no. Uh, okay, fine. If if you think that's a big spoiler then then skip ahead a little bit, but uh he just mentions them and then and then moves on. So, uh hey, I'm warning you right now. Jump skip All the right. first call here. All right. Hi Chris and Jason. This is Jamie from London, and I just wanted to send you a quick voice message. Uh, and give you the reasons to why I actually really enjoyed the season six finale of The Walking Dead. And simply, it's because we've seen characters survive their comic deaths in The Walking Dead, that be that Carol or Abraham or even Judith. Um, So we don't actually know 
either who Negan has killed. So we're in the same boat as those who are only watching the TV show. And that's something that's not happened before in The Walking Dead, which allows us comic book readers to speculate alongside those who only watch the TV show. And I I think that's great. I, I look forward to spending the whole summer debating with people whether or not it's the person they think it is or who I think it is. And I'd, I can't wait to see in the season opener who who it really is. Anyway, love the show, guys, and really appreciate all the time and effort you put into this every single week. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. So, yeah, interesting point here. I mean, not knowing kind of puts us comic readers in the same boat as non-comic readers. I mean, that's something to be said for that, I guess. Yep. You know, I, I suppose it still pisses me off, but hey, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, next we have a call from Kara in Texas. Hey, you guys. It's Kara in Texas. Been listening to you guys for a long time. This is the first time I've called in, but I'm sorry. What the hell did we just watch? I'm so disappointed in this finale. I feel like I could basically pick up at the season seven premiere and not really have missed anything without having seen this episode. Anybody with an internet connection knew that, spoiler alert, Negan kills someone with his baseball bat named Lucille. And I really thought they would go for it in this episode and show us who the hell they picked. At this point, I think it's a complete cop-out. I think it's bullshit. They're basically just toying with us because they know that they can. I don't think it does anything to help the story to save the death for next season. I think it's done for ratings, and I think I'm about done. Kara from Texas is about done. Uh, well, Kara, like I've been saying, like I've had to say a number of times, uh, don't give up. At the very least, we'll be your support group. Uh, you know, stick around. We'll uh, commiserate together on uh, the failings of uh, anything that may or may not happen in the future. That's right. Call in anytime and let us know your disappointment or your excitement at how bad or how good the show becomes. Kara makes a good point, though, that uh, with the with the fact that this was a cliffhanger, uh, watching this entire episode is completely unnecessary. Unfortunately, yes. You could skip this whole episode and not really so, miss a thing. Nothing happened. Well, the only thing that happened is that uh, uh, Morgan killed somebody. I mean, that's it. Yeah, the the Morgan stuff happened for sure. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Um, and we have an, another email for someone later down about uh, or later on about, you know, a little bit more sort of what what everything meant before they got to the Negan point. So there's some merit to that as well. But um, at the end of the day, if you did just miss this episode for some reason, the the most important thing that you would miss is Negan's 10 minute speech. I think, in sort of that introduction. Um, and you might be confused as to how we got from, you know, the end of the previous episode to our group being bashed in the head or somebody in the group being bashed in the head. But, yeah, not a lot of extra stuff in there. Yeah. So anyways. It's like what, missing an episode of uh, Gilligan's Island. Like, well, that's probably it really doesn't less. make 
make a difference. I mean, yeah. it's all everything status quo at the end of every single episode. That's, it doesn't matter what order you watch them in. The whole universe resets at yeah. the end of every episode. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, me now call in. Uh, this is Paul in Lester. What? <laughs> call. This is a call. You, you just said me now call Paul. It was funny. <laughs> all right. Paul in Lester, UK. Hi, guys. This is Paul from Leicester in the UK. I really do like the ending. I think that uh, if they showed who Negan had killed, we'd see that we would have that shock now. We'd contemplate what that means. We'll talk about how everyone's going to go forward from here. And then by the time season seven starts, we'd have had all of those conversations six months ago. And the characters on the show will be then going through those same emotions, that same shock, that same contemplation about what it means. For us, it would be old news. For them, it would be brand new. Not showing who they've killed is perfect. We start the season next season following the characters at the exact same time. We go through it with them. And I do believe that Scott Gimple is right. It was the best ending. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Thank you, Paul. Um, I can see Paul's point. You know, we, we would have been over and done with it by the time we get back to season seven and then we have to, but then the characters have to deal with it in the moment. The thing that doesn't work for me about that is as viewers of the show, sure, we can talk about it for the next six months, but then as soon as season seven starts, it's pretty easy to get right back into it, you know? Well, especially since they're going to do a marathon of uh, season six. <laughs> well, yeah, right there's that. As, as leading up to the uh, the premiere. That's true. But, you know, we as human being TV watchers, we're pretty good at... Um, staying invested, but at the same time, we're also very good at jumping off. So, you know... Humans I, are fickle. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I just think that I don't think having us kind of deal with the impact of the character being killed now would affect our enjoyment of watching it, you know, play watching the watching how the results of that in the first episode of season seven. Right. Um. Anyways... I mean, Paul, good point in, in any way, in any case. Yeah. Next, we have another call from, this one's from Claudia in the UK. Hello, uh, this is Claudia. I'm calling from London in the UK. I am Anglo-Brazilian. I grew up in Brazil, so that's why I don't have the nice British accent. I apologize for that. So I am a big fan of your podcast. I think it's you are the best of all. And I hear about three podcasts on The Walking Dead. And I am a, a graphic novel reader, so I'm up to date with everything in regards with The Walking Dead. I just call, called you guys to say that I am really infuriated with the patronizing attitude of this Scott Gimbal or whoever is, is deciding about the episodes. Uh, the, the Walking Dead is dumbing down. Uh, the, the answer he gave to the presenter of The Talking Dead yesterday, when I watched yesterday, saying that, oh, um, you became the character. Like, you didn't realize that the person who actually was killed was you, the viewer at home. Obviously, we are intelligent people because if we like The Walking Dead, we are intelligent, right? And he, the way he said that, I said, oh, duh, this is quite stupid. And I did not appreciate that dumbing down of this, this program that is fantastic. 
It's just infuriating. I am so disappointed. Thanks, Claudia, for that call. It was very long, so I thought I'd, I'd uh, cut it there in the middle. But uh, first of all, Claudia, never apologize for your accent. It's amazing. <laughs> it was, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and and second of all, I like how she called. She said something like, I don't know this Scott Gimple guy. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. who he thinks he is. <laughs> um, but it's uh, she accused the show or she accused Scott of sort of dumbing it down. And um, I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, like he's trying to sort of tell us what to think by saying you are, you are the ones that, you know, Negan bashed in the head. You are the ones who were killed. And uh, it's, uh, it's infuriating to her, as she said. Yeah. uh, Well, I never watched, uh, I never watched Talking Dead. uh, So I didn't get, catch that line other than third hand. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I don't think I really don't think that uh, this is the end of the current story and the actual death is the beginning of the next story. No, I don't buy that for a second. Yeah. But what else is he going to say? He's got to go. He knows he's got to go on talking dead. He knows he's got to say something. He knows he's going to be asked a question. So, uh, you know, me and my cynical point of view are thinking maybe he workshopped that with uh, a whole bunch of people, uh, you know, press people saying, OK, well, what do you, you got to have an answer to this? What's your answer? And then once he gave the answer of, uh, this is a story that uh, we told. You know, (laughs) that's, okay, that's a dumb answer. Let's polish that up a little bit. Yeah. Let's polish that up to, uh, this is the end of this story, and next season is the start of the new story. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. What do you guys all think? Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's okay. It gets the point across. Uh, Okay, yeah, okay. Let's do that then. Sure. But don't you think that should be a red flag? Like, well, we need to come up with this bullshit PR answer. Maybe what we're putting on screen isn't as good as it could be. Maybe oh, we yeah. need to fix that problem instead of fix the problem of me not knowing how to answer the question. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a total bullshit answer to a bullshit situation, and they should have fixed a bullshit situation so they wouldn't have to come up with a bullshit answer. There you go. That's That puts it very succinct, succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh... Am I announcing this one? You are announcing this next <laughs> okay. one. Okay. It's funny how we can do the emails pretty well, but I can't figure out who comes next when it's calls. Max, a teacher in Connecticut, called to say this. Hey, guys. This is Max, the teacher from Connecticut, calling with my feedback for the finale. Um, you're going to have to bear with me. I know I might be ranting, but i got to get these comments out to somebody, and in my opinion, there's no one better to go to than you guys. Now, There were things that I liked about the episode, like when they were in the RV and they were finding more and more saviors, that feeling of impending doom growing and anticipation growing and that feeling of uh, just being scared. I was scared, growing and growing. I dig that because that's what Walking Dead is all about, anticipation and slow burns. Now, as is anything that's about a slow burn and anticipation, it has to pay off with big moments. And for the most part, Walking Dead does. Looking back on the comic and even the TV show, there are three to five maybe big moments that make us, you know, pause the show or put down the book and say, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. And, you know, tweet your friends and moments that stick with you for days and months. And this Negan introduction and killing is supposed to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest moment in the entire series. Now, it's been, that moment has been destroyed by this wacky cliffhanger of not knowing who's dead. 
let me ask you guys this. Does it enhance that moment that we don't know who's dead, that we have to find out in eight months? Does it make it more potent? If anything, it takes away from it, and that's what pisses me off. It takes away from it, Jason. It does take away from it, Christopher. Yep. I think I think Max is absolutely right. It doesn't enhance it in any way. It just it just it just splits it up unnecessarily and kind of ruins the impact, <laughs> no pun intended, of of what it could have been. It reframes the uh the discussion. Like it's it's the the story over this break is not about who died and how that's going to impact our group. Um it's uh it's about wondering who was the murder victim. And this is, there's a slight distinction there, right? So now we don't know who died and that's what the discussion is about. Who died? Who do you think it is? Uh, well, let's go and analyze what order they were in and uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and all that kind of stuff, um, which we've done ad nauseum. Sure, we, we sure have. <laughs> and uh, so that's what the discussion is. If they had shown someone that had died, the discussion would be, holy crap, I can't believe that they killed off such and such, and how is that going to impact the group, and uh, what are they going to do now, how are they going to get revenge, and uh, you know, and then we talk about the relationships to that person and how they're going to be affected and uh, the, how these different people, how it's all going to ripple out like the, uh, yeah. uh, with the ripples on a pond. Yeah, it's, but it's a very important distinction because on one hand, you're talking about the story and how it makes you feel. And on the other hand, you're talking about the production. And you want to be talking about the story. You don't want to be talking about the production. And That's that author intrusion crap. They've forced us, yeah, they've forced us to talk about the, like, the real-world production of this show rather than the, like, in-universe, in-world storyline that they're trying to tell. And that's what ruins it so much for for so many people, you know? Yeah. All right, next we have an email from Jason in Tampa. I absolutely hated the finale, and hopefully my reasons make Jason realize why it's okay to like past TV cliffhangers, but hold this one against The Walking Dead. So uh, Jason's first point, most TV shows don't have existing source material. Cliffhangers evolve naturally as the viewer is taken along a ride where they don't know the cliffhanger is coming or what will happen next. Everyone knows how this story goes, so there is no natural suspense, just an artificially created ratings grab, which leads into number two. AMC has been promoting the hell out of Negan killing someone. The interviews with actors, the press material leaked to websites, and the Talking Dead... Uh, have all done nothing except scream, just wait until Negan shows up and kills one of your favorite characters. Oh, my God. They purposefully led us to believe there would be resolution within the uh, intent of, uh, with the intent of doing this. Spoilers. Dallas and Star Trek didn't have to worry about the Internet and spoilers galore. The odds... Uh, so the odds that dedicated fans don't know who is missing from the set next year is low. This will steal the impact from uh, actual reveal on the show. Yeah, so the the spoiler concept is something we haven't really talked about too much yet, but it's come up a lot, that there's going to be virtually no way for them to keep this a secret. And when I was talking about them filming like seven different scenes of this, I actually wasn't really joking. I think they might probably they might probably do something like that. Well, the actor who is going to die, uh, not not that the actor is going to die, the actor who plays the character that is going to die mm -hmm. uh, has to be on set for the, at least the premiere. 
So they have to bring him back mm-hmm. or her back mm-hmm. for the uh, for that shoot. And do they keep them on set until the first episode airs? They don't have to leave their trailer. They just well, have to be there. Well, they have to be there. The thing is, there are – and this is a whole different topic, but there are communities of people online who's – made it their mission and their job to post spoilers about this show. And in the last few weeks, there's been reports that AMC is really trying to crack down on them, like trying to shut them down. Almost everything, if you follow along these these websites, almost everything is spoiled. They seem to get inside information. They seem to get photos of the sets while they're shooting. I don't know how they get all this stuff, but they... You know, these these groups out there are very good at getting this information. So if they if you can if you assume that this information is going to get out no matter what, they they're not going to be able to completely shut these people down. If you assume that's the case, then the only recourse they have is to bring everybody bring everybody back for at least, you know, long enough on set for shooting season seven that they, you can't figure out who's the one that's not actually in the show anymore. And I don't know. Part of me hopes they do that because that's the only way really there's going to be any question as to who it is. If, if there's, if it's just not obvious from who's not there. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek had also the advantage of uh, everything being filmed on a soundstage in Los Angeles. That's right. right. There's nothing on set. they, They didn't go anywhere. They just, filmed it in, in entirely within this soundstage. You know that uh, you've watched Star Trek once or twice? A little bit. What, what I meant is there's nothing on location, not on nothing set. Nothing on yeah. location. Yeah. Uh, every time they went to uh, an alien planet or some case, some some such thing, yeah. they had this one soundstage that they would remake into that planet. And they called it Planet Hell because it was always way too friggin' hot. Sure. So anytime they landed on a planet, they went to Planet Hell and it was just... Uh, just there was so many lights and uh, <laughs> not enough ventilation, and the soundstage was overheated, and uh, it was just brutal for them. Sounds like Georgia, from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So the Walking Dead is uh, they they split their time. Remember we were talking about budget constraints a couple of years ago, where they split their time. They want to do fifty percent of the episodes uh, on a soundstage somewhere, and then another, and then half the episodes um, out on location someplace. Yep. So they still do that. Some are on the sound. Some parts of the episode are on a soundstage in interior or whatnot, and others are all actually on location. So maybe that they, uh, you know, in order to cut down on the spoilers for the season premiere, is they film seven different versions of uh, the murder scene, and then they keep then they go and sit on a soundstage for the next six weeks until the damn thing airs or six months or whatever it is. Yeah, it's more than six weeks, that's for sure. They've when when they start airing, they have wrapped at least the first half of the season, the first eight yeah. episodes, possibly the first like twelve. So they're well into it when they start airing in October. Right. Anyhow, it's gonna be difficult. Spoilers, that's a big thing, but they must have thought of that ahead of time. You know, I don't know. They must have a plan. This friggin' internet, man, ruins everything. Ruins everything. <laughs> All right, Debbie in Alameda, California writes, Merriam-Webster defines a cliffhanger as, quote, a story, contest, or situation that is very exciting because what is going to happen next is not known, end quote. What happened in the finale was not a cliffhanger. 
It's not what happens next that we don't know. It's what's already happened. The show is withholding from us what already happened during the episode. That's not a cliffhanger. That's a secret. And keeping this secret from their fans is disrespectful. It well, did. thank you, Debbie, and thank you, Miriam Webster. It happened. They're, they didn't show us something that happened. <laughs> it's not even a cliffhanger, but re- read the next one because it's along the same lines. All right, so we have Brian in Maryland. Uh, this show, this just shows that they do not know how to do a real cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. The cliffhanger is not who was killed, but what happens next. The reason to tune in next year is to see what Rick is going to do. What about Morgan and Carol discovering a new group? Uh, what is uh, what is the fallout of the hilltop and the new group subs- uh, is the new group subservient to the saviors as well? Uh, this is much more interesting to talk about over the summer than who died. I agree that watching uh, Talking Dead afterwards was frustrating because if they actually believe what they were saying, then they really do not, do not know how to tell a good story. There is no way to recreate the tension that was felt at the end of this uh, episode six uh, months from now. Yeah, and I was saying before that I think people are pretty are kind of good at that. Like most people are able to drop back into something and sort of feel it again. But I see Ryan's point and uh, Debbie before him that uh, this is just they 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 didn't even do a cliffhanger right. You know, you want to be talking about um, about other things than just who was it. And our next email here from Corey in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, has something to say about that. He says, what I loved in the mid-season finale was the way that they put every set of characters in their own unique cliffhanger. Each cliffhanger raised the question, how? Uh, how do our characters get out of these situations? That's what a cliffhanger is supposed to do, raise questions that require thought and creativity to answer. The question, who, requires only a one-word answer. So, so- mid-season finale asks how, and this asks who, and it's not the same thing. All right, so who shot Jr. is the same thing then. It's not a cliffhanger. It's a, they didn't tell us what happened. I think, yeah, exactly. I think that's true. All right, so the Star Trek, do you have any idea what, I ta- what I'm talking about when I say the Star Trek cliffhanger? Well, I know what Star Trek is. Okay, so do you know who <laughs> the Borg are? They fly around in that big square ship. It's a cube, but yes. Well, square cube, you know what I mean? Well, it's and square in three dimensions. That's got funny. it. I understand. And they're some kind of like hive mind, aren't they? Yeah. So right. there, the Captain Picard was taken uh, prisoner by the Borg or was integrated into the Borg and became uh, the Borg leader, which is... Are you going to spoil Star Trek right now? From 1987. Okay. Just so everyone knows. Go ahead. All right. So the... the Season finale, I forget which season was, I think it was between five and six, where at the end they came up with a super big weapon that was supposed to kill the Borg. Uh, but in order to do that, they had to kill Captain Picard because he was also, a, you know, integrated into the Borg at the time. So right at the end of the episode, Riker says, fire for this big super weapon. And then they fade to black. And then we had to wait uh, six months or eight months to see what happened. And ultimately nothing happened because the weapon didn't work. It was quite a letdown, <laughs> but that was a cliffhanger. That was a, you know, he said fire, and we have no idea what the result of that was. Like, mm-hmm. it was a big moment for, for them to wrestle with the moral implications of, uh, you know, having to kill their own captain uh, in order to uh, defeat the Borg. So that was a moral question that they uh, answered at the, end of the, at the end of the episode, but didn't answer what happened next. 
So that was a true legitimate cliffhanger. Legitimate cliffhanger because you're what you're talking about is what happens next, not about what just happened that you don't know. I remember uh, seeing a news story during that summer where somebody was talking about uh, uh, wanting to commit suicide. And he was saying that uh, uh, it gets better. Uh, so he was he was talking about, uh, I you know, I, I really wanted to commit suicide. The only thing that kept me alive was that I didn't know how the Star Trek uh, cliffhanger ended. And I wanted to see what happened. My God, that's terrible and kind of not terrible all at the same time. <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. So that's why I remember that cliffhanger, specifically because of that, that news report. It's like, holy shit, TV means a lot in, to some people. <laughs> <laughs> and now we are in that position. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I think you're next. Really? That was, uh, oh yeah, right. Uh, so we have Bob in Maine. Here's how we could have had the payoff we all wanted and the cliffhanger AMC wanted. In Negan's speech, just add, I'm going to kill one or two of you. <laughs> then we get the ending we wanted, watching one of our favorites, uh, get a deep haircut. <laughs> <laughs> And as the screen goes black, uh, we hear Negan say, who's next? Yeah, that's one way to do it. I mean, <laughs> we get what we want and we get, oh my God, who's he going to kill now? I mean, it's it's kind of doing the same thing, but at least it's it satisfies the audience bloodlust for somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. At least somebody dies and that's, they know who it is. That's right. Ronnie in Syracuse, New, York's, New York writes, I am not a comic reader, so I only... The only way I know I knew Negan was coming and that he would kill a main character is because I heard so many others talking about it. I spent the whole episode waiting to see who Negan would beat to death with Lucille. When that death did not come, I was so disappointed. But the more I think about it, the only reason I was disappointed is because I was pre-spoiled about what to expect. If I were to be honest, if I had not expected Negan or Lucille and got this exact same ending, it would have been awesome. I would have been left with, who the heck is this guy? I can't believe he did that. I can't wait to see which main character he killed. So it's, to a certain degree, it's about knowing what is coming or expectations a little bit. Well, I guess that's the uh, the downside to having uh, such good source material. That's true. That's and a sticking very anywhere near close to it. Yes. and Because when that happened, when the same thing happened in the, uh, in the comic book, it was, it was awesome. It was scary. It was uh, it was suspenseful. It was holy shit. Did you just friggin' see that on the screen? Like the screen or on the page? That's mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. But it so, also happened all in the same issue. We didn't have to wait until the next issue came out to find out what happened. So you, you think uh, Robert Kirkman uh, regretted that? Um, he's thinking maybe I should have let it out over two issues? Well, let me pose this idea. What if this episode, this episode 16, was actually episode 15, and then we come back, and there's an episode 16 is the resolution of the cliffhanger, and then the aftermath of it, and finding out what happens, and then we get an episode of basically aftermath of the beating to death. Because I feel like that's more like what you're saying with the comic, right? Comics come out once a month, all year round, generally. Yeah. If they'd done this, where there was still another episode, everyone would have loved it. I mean, they might have been like, oh, man, I can't believe we have to wait seven days. Big boo-hoo, <laughs> you know? Yeah. They would have 
freaking loved it. Don't forget, Shane was killed in the second to last episode of, of that season. Sophia came out of the barn at the mid-season finale, but at least she came out of the barn. You know, they used to do things like that where something big would happen in the second to last episode and then we'd see the fallout from it in the last episode. And it felt like the story ended. That's because Frank Darabont knew how to tell a story. Frank Darabont knew what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's start a letter writing campaign to bring Frank Darabont back. They'd never do it in a million years. They hate that guy. But I think that uh, it would do the show some good to bring him back for at least half a season. I think so too. Yeah, but you're right. They hate that guy now. He's still suing them. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but I just, just this just occurred to me. Like they should have done this in season episode 15 and 16. You know, it would have been amazing. Yeah, and in black and white. And maybe in black and white. <laughs> All right. Next. All right. Next we have Mike in Oromoco. I'm gonna say Oromocto. Oromocto. It's in Canada. It's in New Brunswick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I've never heard of that place, nor can I pronounce it. We have some of the funniest place names in the world, though, Jason. We have a city called Medicine Hat. Sam- that's a great name. That's not That's not bad. There's I'm nothing not wrong with Medicine Hat. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's funny and weird. We've got Salmon Arm. we got uh, Antigonish. <laughs> Antigonish, yeah. We've got some of the funniest place names in the world, my friend. Toronto. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. So Mike writes, uh, well, since Negan didn't say it, Fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck. I was so amazed with this season finale. All cliches aside, the POV death scene had me anticipating next season more than any season yet. Good job, Gimple. See, I am not against including feedback from people who absolutely loved it. Um, And just on that note with the language, if you read the comic, you know Negan uses the F word a lot, every friggin' second word. And they did not do that. In the TV show, what they did instead is make him use other swear words like prick and shit a lot. However, it was released, news came out today that they shot this whole thing twice and had him be much more vulgar in the second version, which will be released on the Blu-ray. That seems like... (sighs) A lot of extra work, yes. But I'm also curious to see... To really look at that and and try to think and analyze the little subtle differences in his performance, because there's no way it, it's going to be exactly the same. Um, but they've they've shot a version where he says fuck over and over again, or probably you know replaces some words with the f word. And uh, I'm curious. I am curious to see it. I, I'm curious too. That it reminds me of the scene in the train car with Rick, mm-hmm. where what did he, he didn't say fuck. What did he say? He said we're, they're screwing with the wrong people. Yeah, they're screwing with the wrong people. I just, I mean, sure, they said they filmed uh, they're fucking with the wrong people and they like this one better. No, or, but they released the fucking on the DVD. Yeah. So I don't Blu-ray. know. It just, that feels like, uh, I, on one hand, I'm kind of glad that they filmed it both ways and that it's possible to see the more swear-filled version. But on the other hand, they should have just aired it. Like, there's no reason not to air it, right? Like, yeah. we discussed this when... Uh, when they, we talked about Rick saying they're screwing with the wrong people. Yeah, and, and we had a listener write in and say there's no reason they can't do it. But I'd say, you know, and I read this somewhere, maybe it was one of our listeners on our Facebook or something, um, said that, uh, you know what, just do it. AMC, even if there's a fine, pay the fine and do it. Like, you know, you're not hurting for cash flow, especially from this show. So, 
Well, it depends on how you do the accounting. If you're paying your uh, your PR company outrageous uh, fees, and therefore the show is actually losing money, and therefore can't give anything to Frank Darabont because the show is actually losing money, uh, then they don't have any money to give to anybody. I guess not. But you know what? I bet they could find a way. I bet they could find a way to pay the fucking fine so that he could say fuck over and over again. <laughs> Yeah. You know, the writer of Forrest Gump got screwed because uh, of uh, Hollywood accounting and that uh, he's getting paid the, on the on the actual gross income. But uh, according to the books, uh, uh, that movie lost money. Yeah. Forrest fucking Gump. Yeah. <laughs> lost money. Yeah. Well, that's what they do. That's it's, They call it vertical integration. They screw over people so they can pocket as much as they can. Anywho, that's a different topic. Matt in Massachusetts Massachusetts writes, I realized that the intention of this episode was to build suspense and anticipation and make us as uncomfortable as possible before they killed one of our favorite characters. But it wasn't interesting, nor was the setup episode before it. It felt so unrealistic that our grizzled survivors would be tricked and coerced coerced in this way. I was on board with the shocking death of Dr. Denise until I realized that it is the sole reason for Negan having captives. Dwight accidentally kills the doctor, which in turn has everyone outside the walls for revenge or on a quest for medical help to be captured by the saviors so that Negan can show himself and kill off one of the cameramen. (laughs) I've come to expect better from this show and I've been sadly disappointed most of this season. Is sacrificing an interesting and believable story worth the viewership garnered by cheap cliffhangers? Tune in next week to see if Glenn died. Tune in next week to see if Daryl died. Tune in next season so we can find out who Negan finished playing Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe on. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if it is. I Part of me hopes that this little stunt comes back to bite them in the ass, but I have a feeling it won't. No. Next we have Shauna in North Montana, Alberta. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's calling <laughs> Alberta North Montana. North Montana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as cliche as it appears to be to have uh, to leave on a cliffhanger, it had to end this way. If we knew who Negan killed, this episode would be more about that specific death than it would be about the introduction of a villain. I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be misconstrued that the writers couldn't possibly aware that the fan discussion would revolve somewhere around who died, but the episode itself, within the confines of the opening and closing credits, was about Negan and his introduction, and I felt it was done very well. Right. So Sean is just saying that this is about Negan. Not about who he killed, and that's a, sort of like what, sort of like what Scott Gimple was saying. Where this episode isn't about who who's dead; it's about something else. And in Shauna's opinion, it's about introducing Negan. It's 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 not about who's dead; it's about who died. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very. I'm glad you made that distinction. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, I think it could have been about both. Jody in Saint Cloud, Minnesota. Writes, I'd like to respond to Laura, who's one of our listeners who we read last time, uh, who said that this is entertainment and asked, you were entertained, right? The answer is yes. Unfortunately, Laura, my answer is a resounding no. I was not entertained. To be more precise, I sat through 90 minutes of shit television for the sole reason that I knew that there would be a payoff at the end. And then nothing. Denied. Slapped in the face by AMC. What a complete waste of an hour and a half. 
Yeah, that's that slap in the face I was talking about where you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and uh, <laughs> instead of throwing one of them, you get slapped in the face. <laughs> it's right. It's just not part of the game. Don't do it. <laughs> um, the the only problem I have with, with Jody's sentiment here is that, you know, sitting through 90 minutes of TV, expecting the payoff at the end should not be the only reason that you're watching. I mean, there should be more to the show and you should be getting more out of it um, than just what you're expecting at the end because, you know, your expectations are not always going to be met. And there are lots of things to love about this show, even though, you know, we've been pretty hard on it the last few days. Um, so, so Jody, I just hope that there's there's more to it for you than uh, than just, just the end that you were expecting because if that's the case, you're never really going to be satisfied, I don't think. No, not really, unless uh... – yeah, I can't even think of a, a show where the uh, the journey isn't as port isn't as important as the end result. It is about I mean, the journey. Even American Idol uh, has uh, a lot of information on there, but uh, a lot of story about the the journey. And it's not about just who wins; it's about all the uh, the schmoes that uh, get made fun of along the way. That's right, and you need that. You need that. So, so uh, tune in and uh, and think of it in terms of the journey and not just the end. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to like this end. That's fine. We get that. And uh, I just want to point out that I really want to spoil something here, but I'm not going to. Okay. I can't even say what it is because it, it all has to do with the journey and not the end result. But if I spoil it, you're going to come down on me. The internet's going to come down on me. My mom will probably write me a strongly worded letter that uh, will make me uncomfortable. <laughs> It'll be bad. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're holding your tongue in this case. It's difficult. It's difficult. Okay. All right. So next we have David on the internet. Uh, David writes, I think that people enjoy The Walking Dead for what it is. It doesn't need cliffhangers like this at the end. Even if they did exactly... Uh, they did it exactly the way they did uh, with the cut to black darkness for a few seconds. And then we see a clearing with a zooming back shot of someone dead on the ground. This way, while we're in the off season, everyone will still be talking about it. What happens, uh, what happens next, etc. cetera. Uh, keeping people talking is the key. And the cliffhanger like this makes people talk negatively. To me, I would want positive, uh, oh my God, posts on social media or yeah. OMG posts to be specific. Yes. So the talking, the chatter, the discussion, that's all fantastic. But what they've done is made it all negative instead of all positive. And it just, it surprises me that Scott Gimple and all the producers and everybody involved wouldn't have at least considered the possibility that this was coming. And maybe they did and they didn't care. But if they, if they were all sitting around a table and were like, you know, we think this is a great idea and we think this is going to work well, but what if the world hates this? Is this what we want to do? Do we want to put something on screen that everyone hates? And is it is bad publicity still good publicity, you know? Maybe no that's, such thing as bad press. Maybe that's what they are thinking. But I see David's point. I mean, you would be you got to think it would be much preferable for people to be around the water cooler going, "Oh my god, that was that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen." Yeah, it's not Howard Stern. No. Where people who love him want to tune in to see what he's going to say next, and people who hate him want to tune in because they want to see what he's, what he's going to say next. <laughs> it's not that. No. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> Definitely not. All right, one final call here before we move on to the next section of feedback. We're still going, Jason. Yep. And this is a, a one from Terry in Texas. 
Holy crap. Did you see that? This is Terry from Texas. There is a change.org petition out to fire Gimple for the cliffhanger. <laughs> Holy crap. Did you see that? No, Terry. I had not seen that until you brought it up. Um, but I guess if that's your thing, everybody, you can go and join that position, a petition. Petition. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make a lick of difference. I, I hate to say it, but, you know, if it makes you feel better, you can put your name on something that says fire Scott Gimple. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there you go. They have enough trouble finding showrunners. They can't fire another one. No, they've got a guy who's lasted for like three years now. They got to keep him around, they figure. Yeah. So the next section is on the mustache guy. Mustache guy. Mustache guy. First, we have Nicole in North Dakota. The reason the one savior dude looked and sounded like Trevor from Grand Theft Auto is because the actor, Stephen Ogg, is Trevor from Grand Theft Auto. He does the voice, and the character was made to look like him. So it's him. It actually was Trevor from Grand Theft Auto. I can't tell you how many people wrote in to tell me that. <laughs> because <laughs> I brought it up a couple of days ago. Chris in Colorado Springs writes along the same lines. Fun fact, Trevor, Stephen Ogg, was in the Canadian Air Force before being discharged because he is an absolute lunatic. Can can you be discharged for being a lunatic? Well, I could not verify this information. I did verify the fact that he was he's from Calgary, Alberta, so he is Canadian. Well, therefore, he was in the Air Force because everybody in Calgary is in the Air Force or was at one point. Or a cowboy. If you know anything about Calgary. Um, But I could not verify the fact, this fact that Chris sent in. Um, I couldn't find any information, really, except for a couple of vague Reddit posts about him being in the Canadian Air Force. Reddit's not uh, a reliable source, I'm afraid. No, I'm sure it's not. Um, And then the other thing is, I don't know if you can be discharged for being a lunatic. Well, you can get... uh... Certifiably insane, maybe. But just being a little weird, even very weird, I think that's what they're there to try to beat out of you. <laughs> yeah, it would be tough to be in the Air Force and be a complete lunatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really have no idea. Anyways, um, the point is he actually was Trevor from Grand Theft Auto, and I'm surprised I didn't look at the guy and go, yeah, that's him. You know what the problem was? I didn't see <laughs> him in his tidy whities uh, Right. Because that happens in the game. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Fair I should bit. go back and play that game. It's such a good game. Damn good game. Uh, so the next section is just general. And then, and then, uh, we're done. And then, yes, yeah, so this is the section. Uh, so you said the last call was the last call, but this call is the last call. We have Sean from Vancouver. Hey guys, it's Sean here in Vancouver, Canada. A eh? just wanted to comment on the final episode there, uh, of the season. My goodness. Um, my wife and I watched this on our big screen projector as we always do every week. And we were both really disappointed with it. It was long, drawn out. The lead up to it was so intense, and it didn't really go anywhere. It was a 90-minute episode. didn't need to be 90 minutes. Um, the end was so rambling from Negan. This is his, his entrance. This is arguably the most important part for him. What is this guy all about? Here he is. He's just going to talk and, and waffle about who he's going to kill. Um, I was assuming, and I, I have not read the comics, um, although I've heard bits about them, but we were kind of assuming he was just going to go and just go, all right, you've killed my people, you're going to have the punishment, bam, and that's it. I thought for a moment there when he was saying to Rick that nobody is safe, 
oh my god, they're going to kill Rick. That would have been cool. Because really, at the end of the day, the story isn't about Rick anymore. It's about the universe. Um, we originally were introduced to the universe by Rick um, as a protagonist, but I think he's devolved from <laughs> a moral person to this pretty unlikable character. Um, so if he would have been killed, that would have been a shocker. It would have been amazing. And come on, Walking Dead writers, have enough faith in your audience to believe that we will stick with the show based on its merit, not based on cheap tricks. And Jason, you're not correct, I'm sorry, in my opinion. Just because it was okay in the past doesn't mean it's okay now. If you eat a bunch of salami back in the day, that's wonderful, but doesn't mean you're going to eat salami every night and it's still okay? No, it's not okay. Um, oh my God, anyway, why is it not okay? my opinion. But uh, as always, thanks for the podcast and um, yeah, cheers. Thanks, Sean. Um, you've just really given Jason something to think about regarding his salami intake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a funny comparison, but uh, should uh, I stop eating salami? Maybe you should. Yeah, you should probably or or, or tone it down a little bit. All right, toning down the salami. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. This is a the email. Next one here comes from John in Salinas or Salinas, California. Salinas. Salinas. John says, "I don't have a drum teacher, <laughs> but I did have an outdoor education leader, and I can't remember his name." <laughs> I just remember, <laughs> I just sorry I I think this is funny the way this starts. I just remember we called him Captain Caveman. And the captain's favorite saying as we marched through the woods was a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. He was reminding us to wait for the slow people. Fast forward 20 plus years to listening to Jason saying a chain would do some serious damage to the RV, which I would totally agree with except that the strength of this chain depends on the strength of zombie arm sockets, if cavemen are to be believed. Well, I assume the chain was actually anchored to something, and it was just through in and around. It wasn't like a chain linked to a zombie, and then the chain, another chain was linked to somewhere else on the zombie, and that made the whole thing. I assumed it was one solid chain all the way around. Oh, no, it wasn't, because we saw handcuffs and stuff. Like, they were handcuffed together and just chained, and I think the RV would have just blown their bodies apart. Oh, in that case, yeah, I'm absolutely totally wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you, John and Captain Caveman. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost, you know who Captain Caveman is, right? Yeah, John's outdoor education leader. Oh, it's a cartoon from the uh, 70s? Mm. You got to look it up. I Captain Caveman. Big... He carries a big club and yells Captain Caveman, but I'm not going to yell it the way Captain Caveman yells it. <laughs> I'm showing my age here. Go look it up on YouTube. I'm sure there's Captain Caveman all over the place. Everybody already knows how old you are. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right, next we have uh, Jackie in Croydon, UK. Hi, guys. Too many barricades? No, absolutely not. In my humble opinion, each barricade represented a chip in uh, in Rick's armor. Uh, cocky and arrogant at first, when the doubt sets in and we see Rick's formidable character, which I'm sure he uh, saw as invincible, crumble to a quivering, broken man. This is how to demolish and annihilate a man's world or what he believes is his world. In the end, it w- I was reminded of Rick. Uh, I was reminded of the Rick we saw in the pilot kneeling on the floor of his house, crying and asking, is this real? Yeah. So I think this came up earlier on in this podcast, which was a long time ago at this point, but uh, about about the sort of buildup before the Negan section. And the whole point of it was each barricade they encounter 
was knocking Rick down a notch, right? And by the end of it, he had gone from being the arrogant care, uh, arrogant, uh, guy who, you know, thought they could take on anything they could hand, they could attack the world because they were all together and stuff like that to being a guy who's not so sure, or, you know, Oh my God, I've lost everything here. So, you know, when you put it in those terms, you know, the barricade portion of this episode doesn't bother me quite as much. I do still think it could have been done a little tighter and in less time. Um, but the concept behind it seems to, seems to work a little bit better now. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see that, that point that each of these were, uh, you know, brought Rick down a peg from his mm-hmm. lofty heights that we've seen over the last couple of episodes. Yeah. And that's, that's what, uh, I mean, that's what we're saying here. That it's just, there was a point to it. There was a, um, a progression or a D progression to Rick's character there. Cause he was a little bit, he was on his high horse a bit there at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't even have a horse. No, he did not. Morgan, Morgan had all has the horses. Horse. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Maria in Grand Haven, Michigan writes, was it just me or did anybody else feel a small twinge of, I told you so, when Rick realized how much he effed everything up? Just watching how he slowly came apart throughout the episode made me feel scared. Not for his companions, but for everybody left behind at Alexandria. His arrogance just made me want to smack him across the face, or hit him on the top of his head with a barbed wire wrapped baseball bat. Named Lucille. Named Lucille, that's right. <laughs> okay, so moving on, we have uh, Kay in Florida. With the letdown of not knowing who Negan killed, my favorite part of this episode was the introduction of the two men with the horses. We obviously know now that the Saviors are a huge group, and Rick's group is going to need a lot of help to stand against them. I think uh, the horse people who help Morgan and Carol, uh, must be another community that will eventually help fight against the saviors. As promised, the world is getting bigger. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there, There's a lot of speculation about these horse guys, and, you know, there's people who have read the comic, have some pretty good ideas of who they are and what they're all about. I don't think you've read that far in the comic, Jason. I don't nope. think. So I'm not allowed to, you're not allowed to, and you don't know. Um, but if you have, then you kind of know what's going on, but, uh, we'll leave it at that for now. I think it's, it is going to be interesting. Matt in Rome, New York writes when Morgan is riding the horse, there's a shot from the front when he is centered in the frame, riding toward the camera, cresting over a rise in the road with the sky behind him. If I recall, wasn't this exact same shot used in the very first episode of the show, but with Rick, riding into the deserted town, which yep. may have been Atlanta at the time. It was. If you uh, turn around, Chris, there's a poster of that shot right behind you. Right behind me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, well, I, that's not the shot he's talking about, though, I don't think. This is oh. the this is the promo uh, shot of destroyed Atlanta in front of Rick, but there's a shot in the pilot or early on in the season one where Rick is coming at the camera and it's the same or a very similar shot to this Morgan one. So they like this sort of like majestic horse riding shot on this show. Yeah, I guess they would Mm -hmm. just as much as almost as much as they like killing little girls. Almost as much. They don't like anything that much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't (laughs) think so. All right. Next we have Craig in Ottawa. Practically neighbors, eh? That's what he says. Uh, The Carol Morgan storyline seemed to be missing something. 
It was completely obvious that Morgan was going to save her, so there wasn't much tension. I'm having a hard time buying into Carol's current mindset, but never having killed people before, I guess I'm no judge. I'm curious about the writers of Rohan. On the surface, they seem to be nice, which either means that Morgan should not be trusting them so much, or the show is trying to counterbalance a very not nice Negan. It could be a little bit of that, but I think it was more just a teaser of what's to come. Something yeah. to come up. Some and, kind uh, of uh, Riders of Rohan. I'll be honest. I thought they did a great job. I think that that's, you know, really interesting. They drop these guys in, give them a couple of scenes, a couple of lines. And and even the scene where Morgan has to shake hands with the guy, I thought it was done really well. You can see Morgan is thinking to himself, do I touch this guy? Do I trust him? But I really need help, so I'm going to have to trust him. So, you know, I thought I thought. It was done great on both sides there. I'm excited to find out what the heck is going on with these uh, horse lords. There you go. Brian in Dallas, Texas. I honestly find it very hard to believe Negan has like 200 plus people on his team and an even harder time believing that Rick and gang are just recently coming into contact with them. Short and sweet, but yeah, it's like, how could they not know they were there all this time? Well, maybe they're on the fringes. They're on the fringe of this uh, this new kingdom that uh, Negan has set up for himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> the kingdom, you know, kingdoms expand. I mean, have you ever, if you ever played, uh, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> have you ever played, uh, oh, what's the name of that game? Civilization. Oh, yes, of course. Many, so many times. Civil- yeah, you see, you, you have a bunch of settlers, you start a town, and then you find, uh, you get a, a band of uh, roaming people and you go out and you start expanding uh, expanding your civilization and uh, you kind of keep knocking back the fog of war so you can see more and more of what's going on and every once in a while you run into a horde of barbarians mm-hmm. and sometimes they take down your, your group of uh, uh, of people that you've sent out and you got to send more in to, to defeat the horde of barbarians yep. and then when you defeat the horde of barbarians you get something in return. You either get some uh, money or you get to know about the land that's beyond them or you get some uh, some weird technology that they had like the wheel or something strange. Ooh, the wheel. But it's the same kind of thing. You have to expand just because, uh, you know, you might have like five or six cities that you've now founded. You've got like roads between them and such. And then you take a step forward and all of a sudden you've run into a, uh, a horde of barbarians, mm-hmm. right? That horde of barbarians has been there for a long time. They're a horde of barbarians. It seems inconceivable that you haven't run into them before, but it happens. But it does happen. They just pop so, up out of nowhere. Yeah, they're just they're on the fringes. So maybe uh, Alexandria is just on the fringe of this expanding group of, of saviors. Yep. Uh, you might be right. Yeah. I swear to God, everybody, that was totally unintentional. What okay. was? Read the next one, Jason. Oh, uh, okay. So Quasi in, or Quasi in Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. Our first ever email from Trinidad and Tobago that I can recall. Uh, did anyone else not notice the animal, bear, lion, tiger paw print on the ground uh, during the scene where the rosary-carrying savior stalking Carol was trailing her? Yes. So I did notice this. The camera focused on a very strange footprint in the ground as that guy was walking by. And it seemed like a big bear print or a lion or a tiger. I don't really know, which is a weird thing to show. It is a weird thing to show. So I, I, you know, Quasi is just pointing that out and uh, who knows if it means anything. Maybe it was just an establishing shot that, you know, other animals had come through this way. Oh. Don't know. Finally, 
Martin in Huddersfield, UK. You would have thought when Carl left for the hilltop, he might have mentioned to Gabriel that he'd locked Enid in a closet. But <laughs> but no, he just walked right past him and into the RV. Well, she'll, she'll wait there for him. Yeah. nobody stay knows. here. I'll be back, maybe. Nobody knows she's in there, and like half the town is gone. You'd think Carl would have been like, once we're gone, go let her out. <laughs> you know? Ah, uh, she'll get out. Maybe he believes that he believes in her and thinks that she's capable of getting out of uh, the closet. It's a test. See if she if she's still in there when when he gets back, then uh, she'll have failed. Starved to death, covered in her own feces, and surrounded by guns, because that's what she was in there for. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That is all the feedback, everyone. This was a massive, massive episode. Um, there is one more thing we want to talk about briefly here, though. And this, I didn't consider this very spoilery, but you convinced me that it is, Jason. So we're putting a big spoiler warning on here just before we wrap up the show. Um, a listener sent in a link to a YouTube video they did, uh, which was a recut of the ending of the episode. And I watched it and I thought it was fantastic. It was so much of a better ending that I, <laughs> I, I almost can't even put it into words how much better I thought it was. And it used, it only used footage from the season six finale from yep. that last scene. It just put it in kind of a different order. <laughs> right. And what it did um, is that it it gave us an ending. It showed us a character being chosen to be bludgeoned by Negan. Um, I don't know the user's name, unfortunately, because they didn't sign their email, but their YouTube username, and hopefully they don't mind me saying this, is FadeAwayX, all one word. And so, you know, you can find this video posted on our Facebook page, or I suppose if you go to YouTube and find the user FadeAwayX, just letter X, um, you'll find it as well. And it's a YouTube video called How the How It Should Have Ended kind of thing. Um, but the should I give the details of it or should I just let people go watch it themselves? Well, we've given a spoiler alert, right? Yeah. And, so, and the reason I don't consider it a spoiler really is just that it's it's a different take on the ending of the TV show. But it is a spoiler. Well, why? It's not what actually happened. It's not what's ever going to happen on the TV right. show. We don't need to get into the argument now. But uh, yeah, go watch the video. It's a better ending. It's a way better ending. Um, and if you can't find it, go to facebook.com slash the talking dead and check it out. The reason I think it's a better ending is because one of the characters is chosen. You 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 see Negan land on it pointing at one of the characters. You see how some of the other characters react to this choosing. You see how the character he chooses reacts, even though um, even though it's a reworking of the footage that we've already seen. And then with the audio of the head being bashed in, the camera focuses on Rick's face. So I guess you know it's not Rick. But the camera focuses <laughs> on Rick's face and how distraught he looks and how absolutely defeated he looks. And it is such an emotional and effective ending to this episode. I was blown away by what Fadeaway X was able to do in this edit. And the thing I like most about it is we get the ending we want. We get the resolution of Negan killing somebody. But it also satisfies Scott Gimple's need for this story to be about Rick. Because 
while the person is getting killed, we see Rick's face and we see how it affects him. And that's what Gimple was getting at, that this is about Rick and not about who was getting killed. Yeah. It's a better ending. This is the ending we should have gotten. I, I agree that, uh, that this is absolutely better than what we saw yep. on AMC. It, it's, it's surprising how much better I thought it was as soon as I wrote it. Um, Fade Away X wrote in and said, tell me this cut isn't 100% the way it should have gone down. And I watched it and wrote back and said to him, or her, I can honestly say this is 100% the way it should have gone down. <laughs> it's, it's just shocking how, how much, how, how much better it is. So go check that out if you want to. Um, I think it's amazing and, uh, it's worth watching no matter what. Anything else, Jason on that? No. All right. I'm, I'm good. Cool. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, this is it. That was a lot of feedback. That was a lot of, uh, analysis of who Negan killed. And uh, now we can sit around for eight months or six months and find out in October. But we're not really going to sit around. What we are going to do, of course, is we have Fear the Walking Dead starting on Sunday. So we're going to be podcasting about that for the next seven or eight weeks before it goes on hiatus. And then another thing that we do at the end of every Walking Dead season is sort of a crossover wrap-up podcast with Jason and Karen from the Walking Dead cast, our friends over there. We are going to do that this year, but because AMC crammed Fear the Walking Dead in right after the main show, we're actually going to wait and do our crossover episodes after Fear is done the first half of its season. Two reasons. One, we just don't have time to, to fit it in right now, coordinating all our schedules. And also, we think it might be fun to... Um, take a step back, wait a little bit of time, give us some time to process this some more, maybe not think about it constantly for, uh, you know, every day and then come back to it and talk about it then and see how we feel about it then. Yeah. Which is something we've never done with the crossover. We always do it, you know, within the few weeks generally after the season, season ends. So we're going to take a little extra time this time, but that is going to happen again. So it will be fun. And hopefully you'll tune into both podcasts. I'm looking forward to it. It is. It always is a good time. Um, and uh, and then after that, you know, we'll be into the summer and we'll talk about that then. So who knows what could happen? All right. So in the meantime, um, there's still actually lots and lots of feedback in, in the email box here. So I'm going to go read all that and uh, see, see what it says. But if you want to get in touch, you can send us email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website. And click on send voicemail if you'd like to record yourself sending a message. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And there you go. Season six is done. In the can. Totally in the can. All right, everyone. We'll see you on Monday when we start talking about fear. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.